Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. In case you are not aware, there is a man named uh, Dr. Jordan Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical psychiatrist. He was out of Canada. He was a longtime uh, lecturer and professor at some university up there. He got in a bunch of trouble years ago because he refused to go along with their policy on misgendering. You know, you can't misgender somebody. He's like, whoa, whoa, I know like what we're talking about. I know the subject field. You can't tell me to participate in somebody's uh, delusions. And so he got in a lot of trouble for that. And he challenged the, the system and the government, and it kind of uh, propelled him. He then wrote the book, 12 Rules for Life. Um, and then he's uh, uh, he does a lot of podcasts now. Um, he does speeches and appearances, and he's with the Daily Wire now, Ben Shapiro's uh, outfit. So um, he did a piece that was published. It was an op-ed published in the Telegraph, the UK Telegraph, the other day. And he also uh, he also read it to his YouTube audience. And there were slight differences because I guess the Telegraph edited some, uh, some of the portions of what uh, finally made it into print versus what he said. So the title in the, in the paper is called This Unholy Axis of Iranian Thugs and Marxist Psychopaths is an Enemy of Muslims Too. Remember last week I, I mentioned about the Cluster B personalities? Cluster B? Peterson's going to reference that too. He says, I believe Jews, Christians, and Muslims share more in common than what divides them. And because I know that since there's no such thing as a world without religion, we must do what is best with what we have been bequeathed. The attack on Israel last week by the monsters of Hamas occurred, as far as I am concerned, not because Muslims and Jews must, by religious necessity, be at each other's throats, but because Iran a country run by thugs and deemed so even by its own people, has become very concerned that the rulers of Saudi Arabia will continue in their laudable attempts to formulate a productive peace with Israel. Four Arab countries recently signed the Abraham Accords, a Trump-era initiative that should have garnered that ex-president, for all his manifold faults, a Nobel Peace Prize at least in a world where the likes of Barack Obama were deemed worthy of such an honor. Yes! Behind the Arab signatories, who were essentially the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan, stood the Saudis, without whose tacit agreement no such steps would have been taken. And everyone knew it. Joe Biden and the Democrats had a historic and unparalleled opportunity to bring the Saudis into the fold soon after they took power from Trump. Instead, demonstrating an almost miraculous short-sightedness, they alienated that sometimes troublesome Middle Eastern power almost immediately after adopting office, choosing instead of peace 
the opportunity to deny to the previous president of the United States any of the honor he most truly deserved for his revolutionary breakthrough, one that had been deemed utterly impossible by the blinkered fools who ruled the State Department for decades. To say it again, the Saudis would have come aboard the great ship of the Abraham Accords two years ago had Biden seized the opportunity. Instead, he and his fellow Democrats downplayed the significance of the Trump administration's cardinal achievement just to score the cheapest and most expensive of political points. And here we are again in consequence, drowning in the blood of many Israeli and Palestinian alike. Right. I I agree with this assessment. This is Obama and Biden still trying to make Iran into something, still trying to elevate them. And I think part of it is their hubris that, that like we can make this happen and we were right. And there's some bit of humiliation that Trump came along and said, no, you were wrong. He whacked Soleimani and then made uh, and got the deal with the Saudis and those four other Arab countries, the Abraham Accords. And so that's a humiliation for the Obama foreign policy team, who is all still now running the Biden foreign policy team. And so, no, no, no we're going to go back. We're going to fix this. And I mean, I don't know about Nobel Peace Prize, but yeah, probably, probably. But rather than pursue that path, what did Biden do? He was like, I'm not even going to talk to the Saudis. They murdered Khashoggi. Remember? And then he did try to do the, he did the fist bump thing. What? Oh, gosh, it's just a mess. He says many in the West, particularly on the radical left, have been championing a, a cause devoted to nothing but violence. As a psychologist, I view this as a phenomenon facilitated by the power, accessibility, and irresponsibility of social media, which allows for toxic traits exhibited by a small minority to propagate and proliferate with none of the usual real-world consequences. This is what has been called the, the dark triad. A combination of Machiavellianism, narcissism, and psychopathy. So Machiavellianism is manipulativeness, deceit, right? You're like Machiavelli, right? He, he would manipulate people. He would deceive them into getting what he wanted. That's number one, uh, Machiavellianism. Number two, narcissism, an inflated false self-esteem and a desire for unearned attention and status. Narcissism, and that, that one's running rampant everywhere. And then finally, psychopathy, a malignant mixture of criminal propensity, callousness, and parasitism. Those are your three. Machiavellianism, narcissism, psychopathy. These were called the dark triad. But wait, there's more. The dark triad traits were identified and measured by intellectual descendants of the Canadian Dr. Robert Hare, who spent his life assessing and endeavoring to understand the worst of the habitual criminals responsible not only for the most barbaric and cruel of misdemeanors, but also for the vast majority of criminal acts. The famous Pareto principle of unequal distribution of talent and acquisition applies to the underworld as well. Just as 1% of the world's inhabitants hold something approximating 70% of the wealth, so 1% of the criminals commit 70% of the crimes. 
But all that's not bad enough, bad as it is. More recent investigators of the structure of the darkest of temperamental propensities found it necessary to add an extra dimension to the measurement matrix. Sadism. Positive delight in the suffering of others. The more unnecessary and gratuitous, the better. So now we have the dark tetrad. Dark tetrad types fit well into what is known as cluster B of the personality disorders, which also includes such delights as antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, the female equivalent of the criminal tendency, histrionic personality disorder, also mostly female, and narcissistic personality disorder. Those who manifest cluster B symptomatology or SINs have, in addition to their other psychologically and socially dangerous tendencies, the proclivity to claim positive virtue or outright victim status while pursuing their utterly self-serving, grandiose and destructive claims. The cluster B types lie, cheat, steal, gossip, reputation savage, brag, claim credit where none is due, and distribute blame to everyone but themselves, all the while pursuing nothing but their own immediate, immature, hedonistic self-gratification, all the while trumpeting their moral virtue and or brandishing their identity as unfairly oppressed innocents. When they organize, and this happens from time to time, they threaten the integrity of the entire society within which they operate, hoping to light everything aflame and dance orgiastically in the ruins. This happened after the French Revolution. It happened in Soviet Russia. It happened in Nazi Germany. It's happening now in the West with the rise of the woke. It's something markedly facilitated by the power, accessibility, and irresponsibility of social media, which allows for cluster B misbehavior to propagate with none of the usual real-world consequences. That's kind of bleak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, there is, I think he does have a solution, because you know me, I'm all about solutions. Alrighty, so uh, we've gone over the dark tri, or sorry, dark dark tetrad because they've added sadism now into the triad so the the tetrad is machiavellianism narcissism psychopathy and sadism and um they fit well into what is known as cluster b personality disorders and i mentioned that we went over that last week i won't go back into that but he says think think use your imagination What you could do if you were evil, what you would do if you were evil and you had these, these personality disorders, right? Use your imagination for how you would implement things or do things in order to get what you want. How would you go about doing it? If you were hell-bent on doing nothing but maximizing your own resentful, narrowly self-serving, juvenile pleasure hoping as well to do maximal harm along the way to anyone skilled and conscientious enough to have deserved a just reward? In what guise would you cloak yourself if you were the least bit treacherously wise, 
you would adopt a religious cover. How better to camouflage yourself than in the robes of all that is traditional, just, merciful, and ethical? That is less effective in the West post-death of God in consequence of the collapse of religious authority. So here, the dark tetrad types portray themselves as the very avatars of compassion. We're for the downtrodden because we can then in good conscience punish the deservedly successful. We're for diversity because an ethical unity stands against our depredations. We're for inclusivity because our fetishes and kinks demand their full expression and to hell with everyone else. We're for equity because merit is our sworn enemy. Ask yourself this too. How else are you to explain the staggeringly incomprehensible spectacle of, for example, queers for Palestine? Perhaps the most egregious example of the union of the desire by progressives to tear down everything in the West that is worthy, even at the cost of formulating an alliance that would in an instant be suicidal if it ever made itself manifest. And for those Muslims thinking that it's the evil Jews trademark registered, is Iran your idea of a worthy Islamic state? The very Iran whose citizens, Muslims all, have been on the brink of revolution against their psychopathic masters for more than a year and dreaming about it for much longer than that. Right. He's, this is a call to Muslims. Yes, he does reference Jews and Christians as well, that, that everyone needs to do better. But he's calling for a uniting of the three great Abrahamic faiths. That's what he's been trying. That, that's the point of this entire message. And he's trying to point out that the people that are leading you, they have these personality disorders. They, they are the dark tetrad types. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Clinical psychologist, also uh, Daily Wire host. He does podcasts and speeches, writes a lot. This is at the UK Telegraph. And um, he's calling for unity among all three of the the Abrahamic religions. And he's talking about how, you know, your leaders are these dark tetrad types. They have these personality disorders. And he's laying out the evidence for them. Now, I don't know if Muslims will ever read this. But, like, that's the nexus. This is where, this is where you get the, the craziness of these people marching through the streets in Western societies, like the, was it, Queers for Palestine. And it's like, what are you even talking about? The, the nexus point is the dark triad. It's this, it's this cluster B personality type. And the Marxists use it. They use these people. Just like Iran used 
Hamas. Unleash the cruelest of your minions. Send them to Israel to do their worst. The Jews will respond as they must. Turn the opinion of the Arab world against the Hebrews before we lose our grip. And if that means that the Palestinians unite everyone reasonable in the world against them at their great cost, so be it. And has that not happened? Muslims, ask yourself this. Who in the West has allied themselves with the hypothetical cause of the oppressed Palestinians in the days since the Hamas invasion? University students demented by the same idiot left radical professors who have destroyed academia. The former president of Harvard University itself, Lawrence Summers, said as much last week. Who else? Marxists, whose hatred for Islam exceeds anything that the most committed, periocal, fundamentalist Christian or Jew might muster. Remind me once more, what is it that's the opiate of the masses, Muslims? What is regarded as the essential and absolute enemy of the communist utopia? Religion. Nothing but the very religious practice you share with your Abrahamic brothers. Who else bringing up the rear? The increasingly delusional alphabet brigade, the LGBT2s, SLQQ, etc. community. Foolish and blind enough to assume that commonality of hypothetical oppression is enough to unite it somehow with the mullahs of Tehran and the gangsters of Hamas. Dark tetrad types all who would have their blue and pink heads on a pike in the street in a moment if they were only granted the opportunity. Useful idiots. This is useful idiocy on a scale undreamed of by the most extreme of Leninists and Maoists alike. All right, so are you starting to see this is the connection? James Lindsay has talked about this. Christopher Rufo has talked about this. Peterson's uh, talking about this. There are, like, these are the connections. That's why I keep bringing this stuff, and I try to find these topics and stories, and when I come across people that, say, uh, that are making these arguments, in the hopes that, you know, people can identify it if... Uh, if they see it, but also that, you know, maybe it doesn't click with, you know, maybe you're listening to Peterson and it's not clicking, but you hear Rufo and it does, or Lindsay or Helen Joyce or something like you hear a particular framing of the issue or argument that, that resonates with you. As for this question of uh, Israel as the oppressor, Well, the Palestinians who live in Israel proper are certainly a lot better off by any standard than the Palestinians who live in Gaza, despite the fortune that has been sent to that blighted area, all of which, for all intents and purposes, has been funneled into the secret and not-so-secret bank accounts of the dark tetrad religious leaders who parade their lying virtues so successfully. It was CBC News itself that announced in 2003 that Yasser Arafat had squirreled away $1 billion in his hidden portfolios. Anyone who doesn't think the same thing is happening now, and that goes for Ukraine too, folks, is a fool whose blindness is leading them into the proverbial pit. They're stealing your money. They're using you, right? The Palestinian people that... We keep hearing are completely different from Hamas, right? They're using 
you to enrich themselves. And in the meantime, they're growing an army of dark tetrad types. And we in the West, he's going to get to us. He's going to talk to, talk about folks in the West here. We We have our own battles here, not quite at the death cult level of Hamas, but still still kind of scary. He says, I plead with those of you reading this in the Muslim world, remove the blindfold as we should equally in the West and see what is so starkly manifesting itself in the world. Toxic ideologies, whether from Iran or pseudo-Marxists in the West. I'm not saying we're any better in the West. Our susceptibility to the blandishments of the postmodern Marxist dark tetrad mob is a weakness of equivalent danger. But it's your people taking central stage right now and your people who have to make a wise decision. Or else, and it's a big or else. The Saudis and the other signees of the Abraham Accords have a stark choice in front of them, as do the distributed and various people of the Islamic world. They and you can allow the thugs particularly those in Iran and Palestine, to triumph in their propagandistic efforts to prop up their own dismal, miserable, and tyrannical states. They and you can, in consequence, scuttle the new peace treaty signed with Israel, forego all the obvious benefits for the Muslim world offered by that agreement, and acquiesce to continued rule by the cruelest of hypocrites, misusing faith in the worst possible of ways. He urges the Muslim world to turn away from the terrible, tempting path of righteous destruction. Right? This is, after 9-11, I remember having these, uh, having these debates, having various debates about it, and it's so much easier to tear down than to build. And Marxists know that. The critical studies folks know this. That's why they, they frame their... Uh, philosophy and their approach as as critical critiquing but it's tearing down they never they, they never do the critiquing of the socialist utopias that they have you know never been able to build right it's always oh it's never really tried right the criticality approach is always used against the institutions that threaten it the most by being successful and being attractive and uh, being appealing to people it's the constant tearing down of the foundations of the society. That's what we're seeing. And people are motivated by different uh, things, like, you know, whether it's religion or in, in the American West, right? It's wokeness, political correctness, whatever you want to call it. But he says we have to reject this. We need a transcendental axis to revolve around, to move us beyond a blinkered materialism, to protect us against a foolish populism, and to lift up our eyes to the eternal heaven beckoning above us. In the West, we have that for all the faults of the followers of the creeds, and even with the creeds themselves as currently understood in the form of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. We need our Abrahamic faith, lest the hedonistic pagans and worse prevail and we need to stand united behind it and that is why i'm pro-muslim but anti-thug and if you are a true follower of allah that is the decision that is incumbent upon you in equal measure and that goes as well for the christians 
and the Jews. So that's the that's the uh, the conclusion of his piece, and went much longer. Uh, I just gave you some of the highlights out of it. It's at the UK Telegraph, but he centers what the the Saudis' position on the Abrahamic uh, Abraham Accords, and he's trying to tell people that Iran is trying to destroy the Abraham Accords, trying to turn the Muslim world against Israel in order to preserve its position in the Middle East power structure, in that hierarchy. Because if all of these other countries start normalizing relations with Israel, then that means Iran is toast. It, that This is an existential threat for them. And this isn't even Sunni Shia stuff. This is just, dude, like you guys are you guys are monsters over here. You know, like they like, oh, they're fine. We've been like we're dealing with Israel and the the more you deal with each other, the you know, more barriers fall. You have trade negotiations and stuff. You utilize each other's waterways or airspace and whatever. So you end up with these agreements and it begins to thaw and that's not good for Iran. So is that an argument for Israel not to invade Gaza? This is from Joe on Twitter. It's a Pete tweet. He says, I can see it all now. Obama humiliated by Trump's peaceful pledge to combine Israel and Saudi Arabia as friends. Now Biden, the idiot in chief, follows Obama's lead. People made to hate Trump, but he is truly a peacekeeper through strength. Mega Joe, Charlotte. Holly says, Pete, uh, you're so right, but it is worse Two Fox Sunday shows back-to-back this weekend. One expert said Hamas is being armed by Iran. 30 minutes later, the second show, the second expert said Hamas is being armed by North Korea. Um, they're wanting a huge war. I, I don't know. I don't know who they is, but I do know that, I mean, I, look, I understand military-industrial complex. I get the appropriators. I get the... The congressmen who you know are in the pockets of the military uh, defense contractors and stuff, but there also comes a point when when people want to to wage war against an enemy, and we are slow to join those battles as we should be. I've not advocated for us to join in on anything, and I hope this doesn't get out of control. But this, like, you got. You've got an in, this area of the planet, the people who live there have already gone to war at least twice over this one piece of land and who gets to govern it. And that's how we ended up with Israel in the first place, right? That's how we ended up with the uh, with the lines being drawn was world wars and all of the people over there fighting over this stuff. And then we tried to we tried to do it diplomatically. We'll draw some lines, and they're like, "We don't want your lines." And they started attacking, and then they they got beaten, and then they you know came back twenty years later, like now nah, we're going to take it. And then they got beaten again. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that they're going to keep going until they lose so much because that's what ends wars. Like historically speaking, that's what ends wars when one other side does not want to fight anymore. And they surrender or they are wiped out. That's it. Um, there was a piece at the New York Post. DEI director 
former Dr. Tabia Lee. She said the blatant anti-Semitism on college campuses has shocked millions of Americans over the past week and a half, but not me. I saw anti-Semitism on a weekly basis in my two years as a faculty diversity, equity, and inclusion director. In fact, I can safely say that toxic DEI ideology deliberately stokes hatred towards Israel and the Jewish people. I was hired to head the DEI department at Silicon Valley's Deanza College. Deanza? Deanza? Anyway, 2021. As a black woman, I was the perfect person for the job, on paper. Yet I made the mistake of trying to create an authentically inclusive learning environment for everyone. And that included Jewish students. And it turns out a toxic form of DEI, which is more accurately called critical social justice, demanded I do the opposite. Before I got to campus, Jewish students had endured a litany of hateful and hostile acts. The school had, po- uh, had hosted a Hanukkah party that featured no Hanukkah imagery, but plenty of pro-Palestinian protesters. The student body had passed resolutions on divesting from Israel, the first college of its kind to do so, and criticizing Israel's, quote, attacks against humanity. Multiple Jewish students told me the campus was essentially an anti-Semitic environment, so I tried to right this wrong. First, I hosted Jewish speakers on campus with the goal of promoting diversity and inclusion by sharing different perspectives. Critics called me a dirty Zionist, and the school refused to promote the events. I then pushed the administration to issue a strong condemnation of anti-Semitism. My request was refused. Some campus leaders and colleagues repeatedly told me I should not raise issues about Jewish inclusion or anti-Semitism. I was told, in no uncertain terms, that Jews are, quote, white oppressors, and our job as faculty and staff was to, quote, decenter whiteness. At its worst, she goes on to say, DEI is built on the unshakable belief that the world is divided into two groups of people, oppressors and the oppressed, and Jews are categorically placed in the oppressor category. While Israel is branded a genocidal, settler, colonialist state, in this worldview, Criticizing Israel and the Jewish people is not only acceptable, but praiseworthy, just as it's okay to attack America and white people. If you don't go after them, or worse, if you defend them, then you're actively abetting racist oppression. This is Kendiism. So when Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools brought Ibram X. Kendi to town after they had read his book for a year, right? he's the one who said, if you are not actively anti-racist, then you are then you are racist. You have to be actively opposing the racism and the oppression. That's what she's saying here. (laughs) 